Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're talking to Dr. Bill Harris, one of the leading researchers in the omega-3 fatty acid field for 40 years. He has over 300 scientific papers on fatty acids and health, the vast majority on omega-3s. He has been on the faculty of three medical schools and was the co-author on three American Heart Association statements on fatty acids and heart health. As the co-inventor of the Omega-3 Index and other Omega-3 blood tests and founder of OmegaQuant Analytics, Dr. Harris has been ranked among the top 2% of scientists worldwide based on the impact of his research. In this episode, Dr. Harris explains to us why having healthy omega-3 levels in our blood is so important to our health, why most Americans are deficient in omega-3s, and how we can improve our levels. Dr. Harris walks us through how you can easily test your omega-3 levels with the omega-3 index from the comfort of your home. From someone who has gotten their omega-3 levels tested numerous times, I can tell you that it is one of the most helpful lab tests I've done because there are easy and clear actions you can take starting that day to improve your health. I also love how you are given a thorough interpretation of your results so there's no guessing or having to interpret them yourselves with the help of Google. So let's learn about the most effective way to find out the proper dose of omega-3s you should be taking in each day for optimal health. Bill, welcome to the show. I'm so happy we're able to have you on. This is such an important topic, especially when I feel like we're talking about omega-3s so much, but we really don't know how to test for them or what our omega-3 levels are. So I think this episode is going to be really eye-opening for people. Great. Well, I appreciate it, Kate. It's going to be fun to talk about it. So I'm curious, Bill, because I don't know, you know, we've met before, but I really don't know your career path and how and why you started Omega Quant. So I'm curious if you can share with us a little bit about what led you to starting it. Sure. Um, so Omega Quant is a laboratory that we started, a laboratory business that we started uh, back in 2009. Uh, we started it because we wanted to offer what we call our Omega-3 index test, um, which we had developed uh, in, in research projects uh, in the early 2000s, um, we wanted to be able to offer that test to doctors, to researchers, to consumers, um, anybody who ought to know, wanted to know their blood omega-3 levels. And the whole impetus for the omega-3 index uh, back to the early 2000s again was simply uh, seeing more and more data come out showing that having a higher level of omega-3 levels in your blood and specifically red blood cell omega-3 levels, which is what what our test does, um, having a higher level of omega-3 in red cells in your blood is a good solid marker of your omega-3 status in your tissues. And it was linked to a variety of... um, bad health outcomes, having a a low omega-3 or looking at the other side of it was associated with increased risk for um, sudden cardiac death. In a couple of very different studies, they both found exactly the same thing. And so it was, uh, that was really the spark. I think they gave us the idea to um, start or create the omega-3 index test, and then later on to finally make it available to uh, clinicians. 
And what was, I'm curious, what was your, um, career path prior to starting Omega Quant or what, you know, were you always in the field of research? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. So I, I got my PhD in nutrition, human nutrition, uh, late seventies. And then I did a postdoc, uh, with a researcher named Bill Connor, uh, who has since passed on, but he, Bill was in uh, Portland, Oregon. Bill was very interested in the effects of diet on really cholesterol levels in those days and different dietary fats on cholesterol. Uh, And so when I arrived in Portland, he assigned me to arrange a study with um, fish oil, salmon oil, specifically the Northwest, right? Uh, Salmon oil, what what does he want? What does salmon oil do to cholesterol levels? That's what he's saying. We, you know, we know vegetable oils lower cholesterol level, but they're liquid. They come from plants. And then we know animal fats are solid at room, like butter and lard at room temperature, but they raise cholesterol. What does an animal fat that is liquid do to cholesterol? So, you know, was it the animalness or was it the physical properties of the fat that made the difference? So it really wasn't an omega-3 projects so much as a polyunsaturated fats from animals, uh, fish. Um, and then we focused, you know, pretty quickly, we got down to focusing on omega-3. Um, but we were not aware there in the early, well, actually late 70s of the work of Dyerberg and Bang and the Greenland Eskimos and the discovering omega-3. That we, we figured it out pretty soon that there was something going on here. Um, but our original impetus was more about uh, what do different kinds of uh, dietary fats do to cholesterol levels? And so that's where I started and um, pretty much stayed. Our first paper was 1980 on omega-3 and uh, triglyceride levels. Really what we discovered, omega-3s lowered triglycerides we found in our study. Uh, and so I've kind of just stayed on the omega-3 bandwagon. I, I moved to Kansas City in mid-80s, uh, which is my hometown. Um, and Joined the University of Kansas Medical Center, worked there for 11 years, and I went across state line to the University of uh, Missouri, Kansas City, uh, their medical school, and worked at um, St. Luke's Hospital, uh, Mid-America Heart Institute for about 11 years. And then in 2006, I moved up to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, to become head of cardiovascular research at a new research institute here in, in, in Sioux Falls called Sanford Research. This is also where my wife grew up and her family's around. So part of the reason for coming north from Kansas City. <laughs> That's an important reason, Bill. <laughs> it is an important reason, important reason. But it was in the, it was, again, the early 2000s when I kind of migrated from my, my first half of my career was what's the effect of omega-3 on lipid and lipoprotein metabolism in humans. So we did a lot of studies giving fish oils to people and measuring lipoprotein uh, kinetics, you know, the production, the clearance of LDL, HDL, triglycerides, et cetera. And we studied platelet function too, uh, for clotting purposes. So you and have then a long we, history with omega-3s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we got, then we again came up with the idea of the omega-3 index and I kind of became an epidemiologist, meaning looking for relationships between omega-3 levels in the blood and, and risk for diseases. And I kind of left behind the, uh, you know, what what does fish oil do to triglyceride levels? Yeah, that no, that's a- that's so fascinating. I mean, that's it's amazing how you can stay 
on one subject matter, but. I was lucky. I mean, I really was lucky. Right place, right time. The, the Omega-3 story hit the medical world really probably on one day. That I think it was May 5th or May 15th, 1985, when that week's issue of the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, like the top world medical journal, published three back-to-back papers on Omega-3. One of them was a paper from our group looking at high-dose omega-3 to lower triglyceride levels in people. One was a, a study that was um, in animal models or in cells looking at the omega-3s are being anti-inflammatory. That was from Harvard. And the third paper was from Denmark, where they were looking at the uh, relationship between fish intake and risk for death over you know, epidemiologic study over a population and they were all positive for omega-3. And it was like, bang, three in a row on one day in the New England Journal. And that's kind of when it started to take off. That's so interesting. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's just fascinating to hear some of the stuff where, you know, I've been with Nordic five years now and just with meeting so many people, like, I feel like I'm so well-versed in omega-3s, but not so much in the history. So it's really yeah. fascinating to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, in, in the beginning, when uh, Dyerberg and Bang made their discoveries in Denmark, with the Eskimos, um, they thought it was all about EPA. D- DHA wasn't even on the radar. I mean, they knew that the Eskimos had high DHA in their diet and high DHA in in their blood, but they thought that the reason there was less heart attacks in Eskimos was because EPA was thinning the, making the blood less likely to clot like aspirin does, mm-hmm. was blocking blood clotting. And they, they thought the omega-3 benefit was not necessarily lipid lowering or anti-inflammatory. They didn't know anything about that, but they, they thought it was all about preventing blood clots in the heart, in the coronary arteries. And it was all EPA. It seems like you guys were part of that pioneer process, at least for in the States with discussing omega-3s. And so it's really interesting to hear that story as well. Um, because at least I know for Nordic naturals heritage, right? Mm-hmm. So you are present, he's coming from Norway. So it's very different. There was a little bit more well-known for years before. So that's really fascinating. And I'm, right. I'm curious though, like out of all these years and so many, in a way, like different professions you've had alongside omega threes, there must've been some passion there to want to create the omega three index and have it readily available. So like you said, so doctors, researchers, and just consumers can test their levels mm-hmm. and behind that passion, at least in my eyes, I would think it's because of the benefits and seeing some of the outcomes and, and what people can achieve when they have a healthy omega-3 status. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious on, you know, if you were to tell our listeners and really make the spokes of like why they should take omega-3s and first, but first off, why they should test themselves first. Um, and then what benefits they could see. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it does. Obviously, there's a lot there, and I won't yeah. talk incessantly, uh, give you a chance to break in. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the motivation for doing this was, you know, you, I spent, you know, I don't know, 15, 18 years doing kind of basic research in a way that's really hard to apply. 
it's kind of you know nice to know, good to know what omega threes do. Um, but you know when you you go into human nutrition as a field, you're interested in actually helping people. I guess it's kind of like doctors in a way, um, and having something having some, doing some research that is directly applicable to people's lives that they can use it today. That was really an important motivator, I think, for coming up with this blood test. Um, and so we've been working ever since really 2004 when we first proposed this metric, the omega-3 index. Uh, we've been working to prove that it means something and that you can do something about it. And doing something about it means something, reduces your you know, risk for different adverse outcomes. So, um, yeah, uh, you can ask your question again. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and I'm curious too, because I think there's a missing piece and obviously both you and I know more than the average person about omega-3s. Um, mm-hmm. I always find it so fascinating when we talk about how many people are deficient in omega-3s or have a low, right? A low omega-3 status or index. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, so the omega-3 index, again, is the amount of EPA and DHA uh, in, in red blood cell membranes. And it's very much like in your blood, just say omega-3 levels in your blood. But we measure them in the red cell membrane because that's the uh, probably the, the, the sweetest spot, the best metric to measure omega-3 status. Um, how does it get there? Well, it gets there because you eat it. Uh, we are very poor at making EPA and DHA from the plant omega-3 uh, ALA. Very little of it gets made. Uh, I mean, not to say that vegans who don't eat any EPA and DHA, they don't eat any fish, which is the primary source of omega-3 uh, in, in nature, in our foods. I mean, obviously, there are algal products, of course, but by and large, it's come from fish. And um, there are people, of course, again, vegans who don't eat any fish, who don't take omega-3 supplements from fish. They still have omega-3 in their blood. So there's some made. It's just very low. Uh, And on the other extreme is sort of like Japanese culture, for example, where fish is part of probably every day, at least least in the traditional Japanese, not the westernized McDonald's-loving Japanese youth. Um, but the, in the old days, Japanese people ate fish multiple times a day. So very high omega-3 levels in their blood because that's what drives it, intake. Americans, Europeans are um, kind of in the middle uh, of those two extremes. But uh, commonly, uh, and I guess I should give some numbers, The when we measure the omega-3 index, we express it as a percent value. Higher percent, better. Um, it's a percent of EPA and DHA in the, of all the fatty acids in the membrane. What percent are made up of EPA and DHA? And it will run the gamut from 2% on the very low end, which is lower than most vegans even, uh, to 10, 12, 15% on the high end. Uh, average in Japan maybe is around 9%. Average in America is maybe 5, 5.5%. Average vegan is 3.5%. And interestingly, the average U.S. Army personnel is about three and a half percent too, which is terrible. <laughs> that's that's a problem the Army's got to deal with. Um, so it, that's the range you can go from, and you can certainly move 
by taking more omega-3, EPA, DHA, taking it preformed in, in fish or in supplements, uh, you can bump it up and you can raise it up into healthy ranges. And I'm curious about talking about, and I feel like in, in the press, you hear more about the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, and it's mainly talking about cutting your omega-6 foods down. Whereas I always try and just promote increasing your omega-3s because there are a lot of healthy foods that are high in omega-6 fats, like avocados, I mean, even chicken, walnuts, um, chickpeas. So like, you know, having some, some hummus and carrots may raise your omega-6 levels, um, and increase that ratio, which we're already at a high ratio now. But is that something when someone gets tested, will they also see their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio? And what would be your suggestions there? Uh, yeah. So at Omega Quant, the lab that we have here in South Dakota, uh, we measure the, primarily the omega-3 index. We do it typically on dried blood spots. So a, a sample is a kit is mailed to your home. You open it up, you prick your finger, you put a drop of blood on a card and you mail it back to us. And then we send you a report. And uh, our basic report is just the omega-3 index, which is again, EPA and DHA. Um, I, I think that is the primary, the most important number that we give. Uh, you can select to have more advanced panels with more fatty acids. Um, and one of those panels is called the plus panel and it's got omega-6, omega-3 ratio uh, and the EPA to arachidonic acid ratio as well, plus trans fatty acids uh, that are also something we can measure. And the third level is a complete fatty acid profile, which gives you 24 different fatty acids and some ratios. Um, but you know, really for my money, the basic test is what you need. It's simple. It's a single number. It's very easy to, to change your omega-3 index. When you talk about the omega-6, omega-3 ratio, that gets kind of complicated. Um, I think it's a little misleading, uh, partly because, oh, for a variety of reasons. Number one, simply omega-6, omega-3. I mean, there are six omega-6 fatty acids in the blood, and there are four omega-3 fatty acids in the blood. And they all do not, all the omega-3s don't do the same thing. All the omega-6s don't do the same thing. Very true, like a GLA. Yeah. The, the omega-6 that really acts like an omega-3. <laughs> I know, you know, but you, you do an yeah. omega-6 that's, omega-3 No, that's, that's a really interesting, I've never thought of it that way. Dumps them all together. Mm-hmm. It makes the tacit assumption that all omega-6s are bad and all omega-3s are good. And that's not really true. Um, yeah. we, we know that from other research. Some omega-6, to your point, GLA is a beneficial omega-6. Uh, and even the classic omega-6 fatty acid, linoleic acid that we get a lot of in our diet, is the essential fatty acid. And some people think, oh, we get way too much because it's pro-inflammatory. Well, is it really? You know, the studies we've done, we've looked at, at, at thousands of patients around the world. Um, we looked at blood levels of linoleic acid, the omega-6. And we've asked the question, well, over time, do the people who have the highest omega-6 levels in their blood, linoleic acid levels, do they get heart disease more readily? Do they get diabetes 
more readily, more, you know, sooner. That higher risk for developing heart disease or diabetes. And lo and behold, what we find is the people that have the highest levels of omega six are the lowest risk for getting heart sure. disease and diabetes. So the folks who want to say omega six are bad, I think they have to deal with data like that. Yeah, they have to say, well, you know, maybe we don't believe those blood levels. Well, you know, of course, if the study came out the other way, they'd be all over it. It's, it's great. You know, but when it comes out the opposite of your hypothesis, you want to pick it apart. Uh, and I'm, I'm guilty of that too, of course. Um, but in any event, the omega sixes that, that omega sixes are bad for you is a, I think a hypothesis that needs uh, to be reconsidered because I think they're probably good for you. Yeah. Uh, and, no. That's you really know, and so looking at this ratio is just not optimal to me. To me, it takes your eye off the ball. The ball is omega three. Yeah, that that was exactly what I was going to say. It's nice that realizing you may not have to focus on lowering your omega six or thinking of it that way. It takes one thing off, and like you said, you just keep your eye on the prize and your eye on the ball of just right. increasing your omega three levels. Um, but yeah, that's funny. You know, I I take GLA. And I've taken, you know, I've gotten my ratio and index done during that time. And I never, it never even crossed my mind looking at that ratio that part of my omega-6 levels were probably because I was taking GLA at the same time. That's right. Interesting. Yeah. And so it's an uninformative and kind of confusing metric, I think. Yeah. No, Um, that, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So I love that. I'm glad you included how easy it would be for someone. So if they were to order a testing kit, they get it. I've, I've taken one before myself. So you just get it sent to your house. All you do is you prick your finger a tiny little bit. You put the blood spot on and you mail it back. It's that easy. Right. And then how quickly would someone get their results? I think it's about four, four to five days from receipt in the lab. When it comes to the lab, we get an email out to you with your, with a link to your um, report. And it'll help interpret everything for them as well. Yeah, it, ex- it explains what their level is and kind of, uh, we have a calculator on our website that's based on some research we published um, that you can put your current omega-3 index value into the calculator. And then it'll tell you roughly how much EPA and DHA you need to add to your diet to get to an omega-3 index of 8%. Oh, that's great. Which that's, we think is yeah. the target, uh, eight or above. Eight, eight to 12 is our range and that's we think is good. No, but that that's great because then you can leave with, you know, you take the test and you can actually leave with, okay, this is how much I need to consume or take supplement-wise. Um, I'm curious, but like for your own omega-3 levels, since you started doing all this research, you know, like you said, back in the seventies, have you been an avid, whether it's, you know, consumer of fish on a weekly basis or take fish oil? Um, I've been taking fish oil for for a long time. Um, and we probably more fish than I would otherwise have eaten if I, you know, studied, you know, I don't know, (laughs) chromium for my research career, you know? Um, yeah. So my omega-3 index is about 10%. That's great. I kind of try to keep it there, but partly because it's for my own health, of course, but also because here in the laboratory, we need to have blood. We, we need to have controls 
that we run every day with our with, with our unknown samples, the ones that come in on the mail. We need to have a sample that we run every day. We know the answer is and make sure all the instruments and all the systems are working so we, we, we get the right answer for that sample that's the same every day. Um, that's, that's what we call a control yeah. in the laboratory. And so I'm, I'm the high control. We have another blood pool that's low omega-3. And we run that every day too. And so it, because the lab needs me to be high, I keep taking my that's, oh, that's great motivation. It's good motivation, you know, right? <laughs> so, so then you you're very on top of your status, then, Bill, because you're you're testing yourself pretty every day, right? Well, no, no. Well, I guess in a sense they're, they're measuring. I what I do, I actually go to the blood bank once every okay. I don't know two or three months, and they take a whole unit of blood for me, and I bring it back to the lab, and we isolate. You know, we, we spot a bunch of dried blood spot cards with my blood and throw them in the freezer. And then we pull one out each day. We do an assay. So it's the same. They're, they're running the same uh, study or the same sample every day. So I don't, I'm not getting my omega-3 tested every day. That's so interesting. That's really interesting. Um, do you have best advice for people who, let's say they take the test, their omega-3 index is low. Obviously we know Consuming omega threes is going to get your omega three status up, but do you recommend doing one thing over another? Or I just know there's you know a lot of people ask. Well, now with there's farmed fish and there's wild caught fish, and um, or should I just take fish oil to be safe and know that there's no mercury in there? And there's just so much chatter around it. Do you have um, recommendations you give? Well, you know, you put your nutritionist hat on first and you say, well, it's, it's best to get it from fish, you know, uh, and there are very few fish that really have any meaningful amounts of mercury in them. Very, very few shark, tilefish, swordfish, and uh, king mackerel. Okay. Well, you know, very few people eat those fish. Those are the ones that really accumulate mercury. So mercury really, as much as it's a big hoop, hoop, hoop to do in the media, it's not a big problem with fish. Um, it's been blown way out of proportion, I think. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, I reckon if people can eat fish, will eat fish, uh, that's the best. But, you know, you got to be practical, too. A lot of people don't. It's, there's a taste of fish that people just in America didn't grow up with. I mean, unless it's, you know, a, a McDonald's fish burger or something, uh, which doesn't taste like fish at all, which is the point. Um, so... I don't mind supplements. I've been taking supplements. I think they're good. Uh, I, I, they're efficient. They're easy to take. They're uh, they get the job done. Yeah, and and for I know we we were talking about vegans and vegetarians. Do you normally recommend like an algae supplement for them? Then yeah, yeah. If they don't want, if they are, you know, I, I guess philosophically opposed to eating something from an animal. Um. I mean, some people are just vegan for health reasons. It's not a philosophical issue. Yeah. Um, they they can take EPA and DHA preformed from fish. It's not a big deal. Uh, others just want to avoid fish. So there are algal products. Uh, they tend to be more expensive because it's just a harder process to get done. But you can get the same molecule, EPA and DHA, from microalgae, specific types of microalgae. 
I'm curious, Bill, besides taking your, you know, your daily fish oil, whether you're getting it from fish or from supplements, do you have any other, um, daily health and wellness habits that are part of your routine that have kept you healthy and feeling good? <laughs> I'll try to exercise every day, you know, go to the wellness center, do a little bit of something, you know, um, take a sauna, you know, <laughs> things like that. Don't raise my omega-3, but good for me. Um, yeah. So I, I, Hard to say uh, after, you know, 40 years of having a higher omega-3 than I would otherwise have had if I hadn't gotten into this field, um, you know, am, am I healthier than I would otherwise have been? Probably. Yeah. No, that's, you definitely was on your side and you got into a good field of research that was actually supportive for yourself as well. And like you said, I love, you know, coming from a fellow nutritionist that's why, you know, I promote omega-3s is because it's something that can actually help people and improve their overall health and right. have an impact on their life. That's right. That's right. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show. We do have a little rapid fire Q and a at the end of each show. So first oh. thing that comes to mind, um, so people can get to know you a little bit more. What is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? <laughs> so is this a set of questions you ask everybody? Or just, yep, uh, everyone special? gets these. No, uh, but okay. you're special too. <laughs> I'm, I know it's so special. Um, de-stressing. I don't know. Play guitar. I love that. That's great. Uh, <laughs> coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? With as much stuff in it to kill the taste as possible. <laughs> So a little cream and sweetener. Yeah. Great. And what is your favorite home cooked meal? Well, I think my wife's salmon is just wonderful. Oh, oh that's so fitting. Yeah. That's great. What is, does she, what does she do to her salmon? Well, she uh, marinates it first to get, make it more juicy. It doesn't get dried out. And then she uh, heats up a hot skillet and she kind of cooks it real hot on one yeah. side. Then she throws it in the oven and bakes it. It's just really Ooh, what does she marinate it in, Bill? Oh, God. I think it's just, you know, saline, salt water. Oh, okay. I mean, that kind of marinade. Yeah. I, it's not the word to use. What's the word? It's, she just almost like kind of brines it a little bit. Brines it. That's yeah. the word. She brines oh, it. That's yeah. so interesting. You know, I've never, yeah, but it makes sense yeah. um, to brine it before. Oh, that sounds delicious. Well, but where can people get a test kit if they're interested to test their omega-3 levels um, and learn a bit more? Well, they can go to our website, Omega Quant, O-M-E-G-A, then Quant, like quantify, quant, quantitate, omegaquant.com and order a test there. I believe you guys are now offering Omega-3 tests uh, through um, with some promotions you guys are doing. Uh, yeah, they order. should be having some out. Yeah. Yeah. So they're available there as well. Um, yeah. You pay, just pay for it online. The kit arrives in the mail and as we described. So as simple as that. Well, thank you so much, Bill, again. Um, I'm so excited to have your daughter on too, to talk all about omega threes and pregnancy postpartum, yeah. um, because that's a really important stage of life too. When we talk about omega threes, but I'm hoping we can connect again soon. Anytime. It's always fun. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Bill. 
It may not be too much of a surprise that today's actionable step is to get your omega-3 levels tested and make dietary adjustments based on your results so you can reap the health benefits of these important fats. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.